Hi, my name is Jake Smith. I do the comic book Blood Force Trauma, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> I hear jingle bells. Do you guys hear it? Amen. Yeah, it's the EOC before Christmas. Yep. Damn straight. Tis the season, bitches. House. People are dancing. Yeah. Oh, man. The tunes have been rocking in this house. You know, uh, the, uh, the kids like to listen to the local pop station that shifts to all Christmas. Like maybe two weeks before Christmas, it's just all Christmas music all the time. And then, by uh, on the first, they go back to the regular programming. And I usually turn it off, and I'm just like, eh, throw them a bone, let them listen to their Christmas stuff. I mean, most of it's garbage, <laughs> I have to say. But there's a lot of good Christmas songs. Yes, there are. There are. Yeah. And this is not garbage. No way, Jose. This is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 775. And I'm Vince B. Damn. Yes, it is. Yes, you are. I am David A. Price. Indeed, you are. And I'm the scourge of the Iraqi seas. I'm Sever Blackmore. (laughs) No, you're not. You're Jason Wood, everybody. You're not a scourge. How could you be a scourge? Too damn cute. Well, pirate. Dog pirate life. Arr. I should do the DCPS promo in pirate, but that would be really annoying. So I won't. That would be. Yeah, I'll just say, hey, if you want to get your books, get them fast and delivered right to your door, all you need to do is go to Discount Comic Book Service on the web at DCBService.com. That's DCBService.com, where you will reap the reward of infinite depths of savings. How's that to go with the pirates? Such as, from Clover Press and the Library of American Comics, it is the first of a 12-issue, 12 12-volume 12 set. This is Terry and the Pirates, the Master Collection, Volume 1, of course, by Milton Kniff. It's 11 by 14, 192 pages, and it's $120. And you're saying, oh my goodness, I can't afford that. Well, you can afford 84 I bet. That's 30% off. So add that sucker to your order. From Antarctic Press... One of my favorite publishers. It's Spectraman Heroes, number one of five. This first issue is focusing on Electroid Zaborja. And it is, wow, it's $4.99. But don't put it back on the stack yet because you're not going to pay $4.99. You are going to pay half that, $2.49. And last but certainly not least, the one thing in the previews the one must buy well not the one but it's really close to the top eerie publications the complete covers the whole bloody mess uh laid out by james whiting by the way that's crazy Mm -hmm. uh you know he has his fingers in all of these awesome projects uh this of course is from fantico it is a 240 page Soft cover and hard cover. Soft cover is thirty nine ninety five. Hard cover is fifty nine ninety five. But you are not going to pay that. For the hard cover, you're going to pay forty one ninety seven. For the soft cover, you are going to pay twenty seven ninety seven. That's thirty percent off in both instances. And while you're at it, you might as well pick up the companion volume from Feral House. 
It's the weird world of Erie Publications hardcover. This is the history. With the Fantico, you're going to get all the covers. With the Fero House, you're going to get the history. Mike Howlett's involved with both. Stephen Bissett's involved with the Fero House book. It is just a phenomenal book. I have it. I would uh, not give it up for anything. The cover price is $32.95, but you're laughing. And I don't my, I don't blame you because you're not going to pay thirty-two ninety-five. You are going to pay twenty-four dollars and seventy-one cents, y'all. That's twenty-five percent off. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books safely waltzed to your very front door. Ding dong! Someone hands you a box, a huge box of stuff. What's better? Nothing. Not even what Conan says. So uh, dcbservice.com, just go there. You'll save a lot. Yeah. Or B square. Yeah, it's true. I have zero alcohol tonight. But it's like you just popped a, a bottle cap. It did, but it's water, strawberry water. But oh, uh, water. yeah, not for lack of trying. I mean, I'm stupid. I I did a make your own six pack deal at Wegmans. And I had space dust in there. I had a bunch of stuff. And I get to the register, and I waited like 15, eh, 10 minutes in line. I get to the checkout, and she dings it. And she's like, oh, blah, 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 license. And I'm like, I don't have my – who carries their license around? So <laughs> Me? Why? Yeah, but it's in my wallet. Yeah, yeah, well, I don't carry a wallet either. So, <laughs> that, you know, that's, I have money. I just, put it in my, I just put it in my pocket, you know. So I didn't get it. And then, by the time she I believe you were twenty-one, I'm like, I'm like, honey, I'm fifty-three, but Wegmans they need to scan your license. Right. So, right. Um, actually, I was fifty-six, not fifty-three. So uh, I didn't, I don't have any alcohol, so I suck. But I mean, I wanted to have it for this holiday episode, but unfortunately, I don't. So, yeah, it's not going to bring me down because I got great comics this week. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Beautiful. Excellent. Well, I, too, am not drinking the alcohol. I have uh, AHA seltzer. That's a stro- it's a strawberry kiwi. And I'm backing it up with uh, another can of uh, AHA strawberry kiwi. Are you going to ah. take it on? You're going to take it on, right? Mm-hmm. All the time. That's right. Oh, boy. <sighs> what you got to happen? I've got two months... Bourbon barrel aged carnivore Cabernet Sauvignon. Nice. Respect. Yep. Carrying the torch. Don't yes. let it burn you. Yes. Who's ready for Christmas? Everyone ready? Sure. Why not? I, I think so. I mean, I. Yeah. I mean, as far as it's kind of a Saturday around here, I mean, the wife's got her Christmas slash anniversary present. Um, Picked it up today, actually. So uh, then she's already wearing it. So that's it, that's a non-issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the listen, it, it, yeah, it, it's it's been a long time uh-huh. coming for her to replace the uh, the band on the engagement ring. You. Keep it a, a secret from us on this. Band, so no, it, it's no, it, it's not. It, I don't think it's a secret, but yeah, it, it's. Um, but yeah, so so she's she's giddy. She's happy. I even asked her if there was because I didn't. I didn't think that that was necessarily. I didn't consider that a a Christmas present. I so I asked if there was anything else she wanted or anything like that, and 
she's like, I got it. I'm I'm good. So no, it's you know we're. I hope just, you got special treats in return for such a thing. Yeah, I'm recording tonight with you guys. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to it. As far as she's concerned, that's 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 as special as it gets. But yeah, no, it, it's mm. so no. But I mean, I I know you've got plenty of things going on under the tree. So nice. Indeed. Well, let's talk about the comics. That's why we're here. Yeah, we got business to talk about first, though. Oh, okay. Business. What what kind of business? Well, comic business. Comic business. Of the course. Business of comics. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I had I have to have to talk about this a little bit because it's it's like the the concentric circles of my life have overlapped with this. Uh, as as a lot of people listening probably know, at least tangentially, uh, Dark Horse Comics was acquired this week. And uh, the acquirer was somewhat of a surprise to many, myself included. Uh, they were acquired by a group called Embracer, the Embracer Group. They are uh, a Swedish company, uh, publicly traded, and they are a massive, uh, basically, IP farm. Now, they, 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 they position themselves as a, as a gaming company, and that is certainly their roots. But, but if you look at what they've done the last year or two, they, they have pretty much become an IP shop. They, they, they just... They're in the business of acquiring uh, intellectual property in all of its forms. And uh, and Dark Horse is, I think, their 11th acquisition of the last uh, 12 months. Um, so, you know, again, it's it's what they're it's what they do. I think they now have over 9000 employees in 40 countries with almost 100 internal development studios uh, of which Dark Horse is uh, is adding three. So. um yeah, so pretty crazy stuff. It was it was broke broke uh, news broke a few weeks ago that Dark Horse had hired uh, investment bankers to put themselves up for sale. Um, so I don't know that the fact that they were sold is all that shocking, but uh, but less interesting to me than the fact that they were acquired because I don't know, and we won't know for a while, like if that'll affect Dark Horse's output any in any way. I, I think the plan, at least as I understand it, based on the presentation, is that it'll be business as usual. Um, in terms of uh, like the company as at, from our vantage as as consumers of their product, like Mike Richardson, who's the founder and CEO, and Neil Hankerson, who's the COO, um, are going to stay in place. They they were the one. So the the company was owned by Mike and Neil, and then a um, an unnamed silent partner who owned eighty percent of the company um, in Asia. So they all 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 three of those parties agreed to sell to Embracer, but then Mike and Neil signed uh, multi-year employment contracts with Embracer, which is very typical. Like when a company makes an acquisition, they often will lock the key um, power brokers of that subsidiary in, right? So that the transition is smooth. And that's what happened here. You know, I would, if it goes the way that most of these things go, I suspect Mike and Neil will be out the door in two, three years, you know, but they have to stay and, and make sure things go well during the transition. But, but beyond that, like the terms of it, we don't know how much they paid. Um, it was not disclosed. So I can't speak to that, but but the cool part of it, and why I thought it was worth bringing up on the show, is that um, ever since Marvel was acquired by Disney, we haven't really had a great window into the business of comics. You know, we get we get data in terms of what sells, we get some insight into the overall revenue of the comics business from places like ICB two and Bookscan. But we haven't had a look into the the comics and the 
adjacent, you know, licensing and that part of that business since Marvel went from being a publicly traded company to a smaller part of Disney. And with this deal, because of the nature of it being acquired by a publicly traded company, we got a glorious presentation from Embracer about the deal. And they do that, obviously, to sell their shareholders about the deal to try and get them excited. But I thought it was chock full of absolutely, to me at least, absolutely fascinating data about Dark Horse and about comics. Um, first of all, did did you know that uh, that Dark Horse had this year did almost a hundred million dollars in sales? I was shocked by that. It's a lot That's of a money. Number. Yeah, That's it's a, a lot of number, money. Because yep. we think of Dark Horse as like what a distant number four these days in terms of comics market share, right? Like battling the likes of IDW and Boom for that number f- that number four spot behind sure. Image, DC yeah. and Marvel. I think that's fair. Yeah, so a hundred million bucks is a big chunk of change, and uh, and they have about fourteen percent profit margin. So basically, they're they're they have a, they're making fourteen fifteen million a year in profit, which is fucking good, man. Like Mike's living a good life. Like he's doing all right. Like that is good life, you know. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but where I really thought it was interesting is the whole reason that this deal is being done is for the IP, you know, right? Like the whole, so the pitch wasn't, Hey, we're going to make great comics. The pitch was, Hey, uh, Embracer shareholders, we're acquiring another massive IP farm, much of it being untapped and wow, we're going to do great things with it. And so with that, they had to sell people on that by giving some disclosures. And the one that I, and I posted this on our Slack, I thought them from, from a comic reader fan perspective, the most fascinating one, and I was absolutely floored by it. I could have never guessed it. They put up a slide, uh, which was about their uh, print publishing sales from 2015 through 2021. So seven years of print sale data. And they showed the top five selling IP franchises in print, so only comics, well, comics and art books, only, but only print sales uh, for, for 15, 16, and on through 21. So seven years of that data, the top five in each year. Did you, now, Vince, did you see this on the Slack or did you not see it? Um, I may have seen it, but um, I didn't retain any, any of it. So Okay, well, I was going to, because I was going to quiz you. I, I was absolutely floored at the fact that uh, Hellboy... And when I say Hellboy, that means all Mignola stuff. So right. Hellboy, BPRD. Hellboy hasn't been a top five publishing franchise for Dark Horse since 2019. And it was only fifth in 17, 18, and 19. It has not been. So it's just barely been a top five seller for them in any year over the last five and it hasn't been higher than third in the last seven years, and that was only once in 16 when it was third. I was baffled by that. Yeah. Because I well, would have assumed that they were, that Hellboy was like their their true perennial publishing, like Evergreen. Well, Mignola wound it down about three, four years ago. Where the, Dude, the, there's BPRD books in, and, and Hellboy books in previews every month oh there are right but the big yeah. story the main overarching thing right th- he brought that to a close so now it's just tangential stuff or you know further developments but um the the, the big question is done it's answered mm-hmm, sure. right so i i could see how people would be like all right i wrote that out let's just 
put it on the back yeah. burner and, and see what happens. But was but to me, it's also not just okay. Maybe Hellboy isn't as strong a seller as you thought, but the stuff that's above Hellboy on this list is just crazy to me. So, and again, maybe you know this more, or you're not going to be less surprised with this because you are an avid reader of it. But Berserk is their cash cow. Nice. Well, <laughs> when you're charging but fifty, you're surprised by that, right? Oh yeah, like sure. Yeah, yeah, but like fifty Berserk bucks a volume. Yeah, no, that's true. But Berserk has been their number one selling publishing IP for three straight freaking years. That's amazing. I'm that isn't that incredible? Does my heart good to hear that? Yeah. And the two, but here's where it gets wonky. The number one selling IP in the two years before that, Zelda. I'm not surprised. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not surprised. He made a good choice to doing that that Zelda lore book. I mean, my daughter has. Zero interest in comics, and that was one of the things I absolutely had to acquire for. Yeah, and then the other things that are all perennial in the top five over the seven-year span are Avatar: The Last Airbender, Baffling. World of War, World of Warcraft, <sighs> Overwatch, Plants vs. Zombies, <laughs> Plants vs. Freaking Zombies. I, I mean, know. <laughs> I mean, Plants vs. Zombies was. Um, Third and nineteen. Now it's not in. It's, it hasn't been on the list the last two years, but still, I mean, I'm I'm just stunned by that. Um, like Umbrella Academy again. You're like, oh yeah, Umbrella Academy. It's got a Netflix show, right? That was in the top. That was third in 2020. Has wasn't on the list and um, and and was on the list in 19, but it wasn't on the list any other year. You know, so it's like I just was really surprised at how much they're making off of licensed titles and also uh, manga. Because I and I guess maybe it's more about me not reading that stuff. I just had no idea it was such powerful uh, business for them. So I just thought that was interesting. And and then and it, and it, it I thought it was interesting in the context of you know we've been doing the show for a long time and we are quote unquote tastemakers. You know, make me gag, but you know, I mean, certainly right. we we definitely at least to the people that listen to us, we help shape what they read or what they try. Um, and while we don't have we don't pay any attention to the monthly sales charts, I, I do get the sense. Like, I always felt like because we produce previews and we buy a lot of shit, and I just presumed I had a pretty good sense as to what the top kind of things were at each company. And I'm clearly fucking in the dark. Like, I, I obviously do not have my finger on the pole. Like, what's clear is that these companies, at least for Dark Horse, I don't know if all the publishers are like this, are doing enough business in other avenues, other channels, outside of the core comic store direct market geek that uh, we don't really get a full understanding of their businesses unless we're presented with it like this and i thought that was pretty interesting another thing too um they broke out their sales mix from um, initial sales to frontline sales to backlist and they defined backlist as anything that was published more than a year ago and that's gone from backlist sales have gone from 29 percent in 2018 to 49 percent this year it's insane yeah and they (laughs) they attributed that to digital that uh, digital was increasing as a percentage of sales, and so their backlist is becoming more important. Um, and then a couple people, when I showed them that uh, that IP list, said, "Well, what about Black Hammer?" And uh, this is where we got to give our boy Jeff uh, Lemire credit. The reason Jeff Black Hammer is not on this list is because this is only a list of IP that Dark Horse owns and can then be monetized by Embracer. Our man Jeff, because he is the consummate businessman. And I and by the way, what I'm telling you all is is I, I got this from Jeff directly. I asked him the question. Uh, 
Black Hammer's not on this list because Jeff owns Black Hammer Rock Sock and <laughs> My dude. Now, my man. He, <laughs> he said uh, he has a he has a, what we would effectively call an image deal at, at Dark Horse for this. Um, which absolutely know. surprises me. I which which makes me I, I I wonder why Dark Horse well obviously they allowed it, but I I'm surprised Dark Horse kind of agreed to that and partly intrigued as to why he didn't why Jeff just didn't go to Image with it, but I mean, it's, it's well, I know that because we've asked him that. Horse. We we asked Jeff that the last time he was on the show. That, I mean, he said he hasn't abandoned Dark Horse because a they always treated him right early in his career. He likes Mike and he thinks they put out a great product. So I, I right. but but I guess this does make more sense to me because I always thought when he said that I'm like, yeah, but dude, like you're giving up that 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 yeah. money that ownership like you don't need to do that now i find out he, he didn't give up the money the ownership and i was no really intriguing of course even allowed that i mean that that, well, that right, they, because, because of, like because like, of sin city because of hell yeah. boy i'm really surprised that that dark horse right. was like yeah i don't know we'll let you do it like mignola must feel like a dope <laughs> like at some point you would have thought he might have tried to go back and 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 redo the deal but i guess once the deal's done the deal's done but uh, i think um, it was a different set of circumstances when yeah. mignola hit well, no, he Mignola was basically a, a an illustrator. He wasn't right, a, he right, wasn't a writer, uh, and so I would hazard to guess that Mignola at the time considered himself very lucky to get the Dark Horse deal. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. No, Lemire was was a star Frank going Miller in. What? Hmm? Frank Miller wasn't a rookie. Frank Miller's been around for a minute. I mean, no, but that's he, no. no I, I didn't mention Miller. Lemire, Le- when he pitched Black Hammer, was a star. And yeah. if you look at Dark Horse's publishing output at the time, they really didn't have a super mega hit. Yeah. So I, if I were Mike Richards, I'd be like, shit, yeah, you can own it. I want a percentage on the back end, whatever. Like, we'll publish now, your stuff. Yeah. Now, I don't know. Certainly, I'm not sure that Jeff is the only one to have the deal. He, he may not be. But I am looking at this list of, of IP that they are touting in this... Pr- presentation that they're going to be able to monetize and I see Department H on there which is obviously one of Kent's big things I see you know the mask and ghost and uh, so I, I see a lot of the other stuff that you might think oh I wonder if any of these other modern like I see Usagi on here uh, is right? mind so, management on there well no but that doesn't mean like if this is not a complete list it's uh, you know it's it's um, it's just you know things that they have they break it down by successfully published titles, which is just stuff that they've published, but they don't necessarily own. So you've got Black Hammer listed on there, for example. Right. Um, owned, which is obviously they own the IP Lock, Stock, and Barrel, uh, or Controlled, which is where they they obviously share ownership with it, and that's where we see Hellboy. So and that's where my men, uh, that's where Department H is as well. So I don't know if that's just if it's if Kent's got a deal for some of his titles and not for others, or maybe he went back to I, that. I don't know. And, and I, I didn't, I don't know Matt well enough to, I couldn't reach out to him and get an answer quickly. Like we got with Jeff. So um, I just thought that was very interesting. And then, you know, when you do these presentations, you're, you're, it's a dog and pony show. You're trying to convince the, you're trying to get the investors excited about it. So they always do these forward projections, right? Like, Oh, you know, we're going to take all this stuff and we're going to make all this money off of it. And I have to laugh because I have seen, thousands of these things in my life uh you know this is very much in my wheelhouse of when people say what does woodrow do for a living like this is what i do and uh and and i i just laugh because i've seen so many of these i know when i'm seeing bullshit and uh there's a slide about their e-commerce strategy and in the slide they talk about dark horse digital dark horse direct and uh and and 
uh, T-Fall, the, uh, you know, Things from Another World, which uh, for people that don't know, and, and, and I bet a lot of people don't know, you know, you may be familiar with T-Fall as a website and they're pretty much a very, 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 very distant um, competitor to, to our friends at DCB Service. But T-Fall has been around. T-Fall was Mike Richards' first company. Like he, he DCBS huh? bought Tifa. No, no, they own everything but Tifa. Um, hmm. Mike founded Tifa. Um, he he had a store called Pegasus back in the day. He uh, he cha- it cha- later changed that to Tifa. Um, and uh, you know it has so Tifa predates Dark Horse. Um, people don't, may not know that, but but anyway, they talk about uh, in this presentation like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna ramp Dark Horse digital sales. So they show the sales by year. They did 3.4 million in 18, 3.4 million in 19. They did 5.4 million in 2020, which again, uh, huge growth, but that's because of the pandemic. All, all, you know, all digital sales of everything went up tons in the pandemic. This year fell back to 4.3, so still up from 2019, but but a big drop off, more than a million dollar drop off. But then they tell you, oh, but 2022, 23, and 24, we're going to show rapid growth, and we're going to we're going to be up to seven, almost seven million in 2024. Get the fuck out! That's not happening. A business like that doesn't stay flat for three years running and then ramp double. Like, that's not happening, but they got to tell a shareholder something to get excited by. Um, and then, same thing with TFAL. Like, TFAL did 2.3 million in 19, 2.3 million in 20, and that, which is no growth from during the pandemic because that's the physical online books. And then 2.5 million this year. So, no growth, basically. You know, it's just a steady $2.5 million business. They have it going to $10 million in 2025. They're out of their fucking minds. There's, there's, <laughs> there is zero chance that selling physical books online is going to quadruple for them in the next three years. When, in particular, they are an absolute fractional cousin or competitor to to Midtown and DCBS. You know, like, when's the last time you seriously considered looking at TFAL and ordering something from it? Oh, the only time I ever ordered from TFAL was during the, the Black Friday blowout sales. When yeah, they, or the Nick and Dent yeah. sales. Exactly. Yeah, and, it, you yeah. know, it it, surpri- it doesn't surprise me, but now it makes a whole lot of sense that Richardson at one time owned the com- company because those sales had a preponderance of Dark Horse books. Like, mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was yeah. like, at least 70% Dark Horse books. Yeah, no, he still just to be clear. He owned it. He still owns it. It's still part. Oh, of Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's all. I mean, I, we can move on. I, but I thought that those kind of nuggets were interesting. Like, and, and and the takeaways are this: that that digital sales of like digital sales of comics are, are not growing very fast. And we we'd heard that, right? But like, I think there's some people hope or perceive that that's just this wave of growth, and that's really not materializing. There there doesn't appear to be any material growth outside of uh, the COVID boost, which uh, which certainly will will help, but, but I, I put this a one time type of thing. Um, you know, so, so I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting that, um, there seems to be an appetite in the world now for, if you own IP, someone wants to buy it from you because the stuff they're talking about monetizing and maybe they will monetize some of it. Who knows? Like it's, this is not, you know, like this isn't grade a stuff, right? Like meaning like the stuff they haven't developed yet, right? Like like I mean, Hellchild and Malika and Shinjoku and Buzzkill and uh, you know the, the uh, barbed wire and it, like these are not like these aren't going to be billion dollar franchises. No, but companies like Embracer, I guess, are very good at 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 making profit off of smaller things and 
making games with them and mobile games and board games. And, you know, apparently they, they bought a massive board game company about a year ago for billions of dollars. So, I mean, it's all going to intertwine. And they said in this that they're going to take a lot of the Dark Horse characters and they're going to they're going to you know put them into games, both online mobile games as well as physical games. And they're going to uh, they're going to leverage Dark Horse to make more art books and, and game books that go along with like collector editions of these video games that they make and sell. So. I see why they're doing it, and I hope for Mike and his team's sake they got a massive payout. Because yeah, right, you always root for comics, but um, and, and I think for those that are thinking, well, what does this mean for Dark Horse Comics? To be determined. I don't, I don't get the sense that they that they bought this to to shut down Dark Horse. I like as a as a publisher of comics because they do focus quite a bit in the presentation about the comic book sales and both digital and physical and 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 all that. So I don't get the sense that at least anytime soon we're going to see any like threat to that in as much as people care about Dark Horse Comics. So. Um, yeah, all, to me, I found it really interesting. Definitely, up, 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 like exactly in the world that I transact in and, and care about. And um, you know, we're not there aren't that many properties like this that we're going to see. Uh, like there aren't too many opportunities to, to look beyond the curtain now, uh, because you know you've really got now Boom and IDW maybe that are big enough that if they get acquired, we could get some insight into this. I don't think Image would ever do this because they don't own a lot of IP. You know, they're not an IP farm, so. Yeah, they really it wouldn't make sense for anyone to buy them for a big for a big amount of money. Um, so yeah, so cheers to Dark Horse and their team, and and you know hopefully it's it's good things ahead. Right, couple things. I'm I'm very glad that you didn't make this or focus on the IP because that to me would have been a snooze fest. Like the the chances of all these things being transitioned into movies and, sure. and cartoons. Like I I could not care less. And, and keep in mind, and to your point, the presentation. Like, if and I, I can, I did post the link to the presentation both in the Facebook group and in Slack. But um, that the, the focus of the presentation is one hundred percent on the IP. Right, of course. But right. we, but that doesn't, you know, that's neither here nor there for us, right? Right. Either the, I'm of the mind that anything that can remotely be turned into a streaming show or movie will be turned into a streaming show or movie now, right? At some point, right? Right. Right. Um, and Richardson has always been a deep-sea fisher, right? He always plumbed the depths. Even back in the day, I was, I was like, why is Dark Horse publishing an Aliens comic or or Predator? Like, Mike was always smart enough to realize that there's life beyond the, the, the printed page. Like, there are mm-hmm. properties out there that will attract attention. And that was the one thing about Dark Horse. You could always find tie-in products, comics right. you know ogns and stuff like that and and i gotta give it up to him like mike has always been a pretty shrewd businessman as far as what can keep his company solvent right so mm. that's cool and uh i can only imagine in all this you got valiant standing in the back of the room going hey <laughs> hey yeah it's like nobody wants you guys which is is fitting and sad to me right yeah, there's a pretty repugnant slide, I thought, because it's talking about the vast content library, and it's got – it breaks down the properties by owned, controlled, licensed, and then public domain. And then it's got you know, the percent of total for each, and then the next column is exploited for film slash TV. And I'm thinking that, that is an apt choice of term, right? Exploited. Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's such a great catalog of characters at Valiant, and but it's just – what they've chose to do with those characters the past 
bunch of years. Ever well, since no, Dinesh, fair, I mean, they already ever, got their bag, right? Like Dinesh and his crew got their bag. Oh yeah, great. But I mean, ever since Dinesh left, I mean, Valiant's. I don't even consider them anymore. And, and either it's pretty sad, right? There was a minute. I mean, you were the champion of that. And then oh, because the books were great. Version at arms, and yeah, I was the uh, I was the infantryman coming behind you guys. But I mean, but collectively, we were. We, there was a period of what two, maybe three years where we talked a lot of Valiant. Uh, true, because I, I think the books were great. Yeah. Yep. Well, they had guys looking Lemire and Kent, and they had great yeah, talent, yeah, exactly. both writing and drawing them. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. So, that so was there's, your, there's a business minute. I know it's been a, been a while since we've had that kind of finance talk, and it'll probably be a while again. Uh, probably much to the, everybody's pleasure, uh, besides mine. But but uh, yeah, I couldn't resist this one. Because, oh man, uh, that excites you. Yeah. Why not? Why not? R- run with it. It's Christmas. <laughs> it is Christmas, right? Yeah. So now talk to about some of these books that you were excited to read. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I don't. no. I talked about I talked about this book in a previous episode, but it was the um, the free comic book day version of this book, which picks up, which gave you a little sampling of the first issue of season two and, and i i loved what i read but i didn't there were a lot of blanks that i needed filled in i was unaware of a lot of the story developments up to that point but thankfully i have uh filled in those gaps with the uh trade paperback of uh white ash volume one which is written by charlie stickney art by connor hughes color art by finn cram and it is of course published by scout comics right so i don't want to get too deep into it but i will correct prior mistakes that i made because i was unaware i was just plain ignorant about uh previous events but it uh story takes place in white ash pennsylvania so it's a hometown story how about that and uh it's a coal mining town which is very, very apropos for a lot of places in Pennsylvania because uh, we made um, our living on coal back in the day. And there's, uh, it's called White Ash, so you can guess the, the place has a gray pallor to it, which is an unfortunate, uh, though inescapable byproduct of, of mining, right? You want to rip anthracite from the earth and you're going to kick up dust. And that's exactly what happens. And, and the, the uh, smokestacks of the processing of the, the the coal belch, all this dust all over the place. And it's just a dreary, you know, downtrodden place. Um, and and uh, the story focuses on a young man named Alex Zwerg. Uh, he's a recent high school graduate. And he just wants one thing, to get the, himself the hell out of dreary white ash. Uh, one of those kind of kids that, always felt that he didn't really fit in you know um not not uh something was was missing in his life but he didn't know what it was so he thinks maybe he can find it outside of white ash but alex's father gunther he's not too hot on the idea of his son going to college uh carnegie mellon by the way and um there's a parting it, it's 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 tense and strained at first but it's father and son and uh they part on good terms and and see the mine 
is owned by a mega rich man named Thane Alden. Slim, tall drink of water. Something's off about this dude. Uh, he conducts himself. He has a regal air. Um, looks down his nose at at most people, um, except his daughter Lillian. Loves his daughter. Watches over like a hawk, and he forbids her to interact with with the the residents of of White Ash. And he often sequesters her into her room. In their, they have a sprawling mountain estate. See everything on the surface is covered in the, the 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 dirt and the dust and the crap and the the goings on of the mine. But Alden lives on a mountain, so he's he's elevated. It's a conceptual thing, right? And uh, I don't want to reveal too much of it. And I I talked it up on episode seven fifty nine. There was an explosion in the mine. And Alex's father, Gunther, was at the heart of it. Um, I don't want to get into too much detail because I think the revelation is a is a big part of it. Um, it wasn't an accident, right? So Gunther's rushed to the hospital. He's in bad shape. And he had a plan set in place that should anything ever happen to him, his son was to be given a videotape. So Alec uh, watches the tape and finds out, very much to his surprise, that he's a dwarf. He's a member of the dwarf race. I mean, he's, he's kind of, he's on the short side. He's not a dwarf. He's not the stature of the dwarfs in, say, um, you know, Lord of the Rings. He, but he is a dwarf. His lineage is, is, is dwarven. Um, and here's the part I didn't, one of the parts I didn't know. Not just your average garden variety dwarf uh, from the fantasy genre. He's an alien. The, these dwarves... Uh, yeah, these dwarves came from a planet called Nildalvalar. And they came to Earth a thousand years ago to lay a trap for this massive evil serpent called Niahogar. I'm probably screwing that up. But uh, uh, at the time, the uh, dwarves partnered with elves, alien elves, uh, to fight the serpent. And many died, uh, but they did manage to cleave the beast in twain. Right? Cut that bitch right in half. So the Niahogar is fleeing. And when they cut the, the beast in half, there's a portal, a portal called, of course, Yggdrasil. And the portal closed because the, the beast was so gigantic. It was in, it was in the portal, half of it in, you know, blah, blah, blah. And when, when they cut it, the portal closed and now they're trapped on earth. So, so the beast retreats, and this is very, very cool, and it's a huge part of the story. The beast is fleeing, and the blood and the viscera that's, that's just oozing from this thing transformed the offspring of those it touched. If you got this shit on you, and then you later reproduced, the children were creatures 
that could alter their physical appearances to pass for human, although they, they were anything but. And, and these creatures are called the brood, So, which was a big problem for the elves and the dwarves, right? Elves and the dwarves, they hated each other, but they decided, all right, we'll get this monster, we'll, we'll team up for a little while, we'll get rid of this thing, and then we'll go on our merry ways and we'll all be safer. Um, so reluctantly, the elves and the dwarves set aside their longstanding feud and agreed to work together. The elves would protect the land and hunt the brood, while the dwarves took to the mines. Now, that's not surprising. That's what dwarves do, right? They mine. But what's so important about the mine? Because the key to open the portal, the Yggdrasil portal, is somewhere buried in the mine. So elves are like, cool, we'll watch out for you. You do your thing. We'll get the key. Then you go fuck yourselves. We're done. Um, so there's a brood member running around white ash, just slaughtering people, eating people. Um, and that's how Alec and Lillian, who's an elf, there's a real chemistry between the two of them. Like it's totally forbidden for them to interact, but they can't help it. Like he's very attracted to her and likewise, and she's like a hundred and, you know, 35 years old, he's maybe, now remember, to all physical, his appearance is that of like a, an 18-year-old, but he's like 50, 60 years old because these, these races age differently or slower than humans, right? So there's a, a, an attraction between the two and they join forces to take down this brood that's causing problems. But the pairing of these two could reignite the feud between the elves and the dwarves and that's not good and um i just love this book like i i cannot state how i cannot accurately state my feelings for this book um but i'm gonna try right visually connor hughes have any of you seen his art at any time i mean j- just on this like just on this book because I know you I looked at it because I knew you were going to talk about it but I, I'm I, you know so I'm turning the pages I'm looking I mean after the fact I read it first obviously and then I went back and I read it again and I'm I'm studying the art and I'm seeing a little bit of Philip Bond right from Vimana Ramana that the Morrison thing you know Philip Bond he's a mainstay uh, there's a and little the escapist right uh, yes yes there's a little bit of Cameron Stewart in there smattering of of cameron stewart and there's a hint of david lafuente like the 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 guys that yeah yeah, are very good at stylistically um delineating the human form the character all the men are when they have to be are very handsome the women are super sexy um this guy is extremely adept at um environments and uh the 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 trappings of the fantasy genre like there's one point where after alec alec washes the tape he finds that his father told him to never touch something and he's like hmm i'll not touch it and it opens a a, a a a secret door and there's a dwarven armory in the basement well not the basement underneath his house 
and it's loaded with weaponry, like just a, an amazing assortment of, of weaponry. And there's there's handles lined up, and he's like, "All right." Um, and he picks a hammerhead and fashions his own weapon. And it's really important to the story because what's a dwarf without a hammer, right? Or a mace or some kind of a cudgel. Like that's the type of weapons that dwarves use. And uh, I, I just think this this book is friggin' amazing on on a, on multiple levels. It, it's sleek and it's brutal and it's sexy. And I, I mean, I said it before. I really am not concerned with what people read, right? But but if I could, I would stand outside comic stores and grill everybody as they came out. Did you buy White Ash? Oh, you didn't? Get back in there and get it. Because this is a book that is just, it's like, I don't like to say this, but you ever hear the, oh, it's the best book nobody's reading. It kind of is, right? I'm guessing like the numbers aren't gigantic on this book in terms of, you know, the top 10 list of, of you know, selling titles, whatever. But this book is amazing. Uh, it's just so goddamn good. The, the, uh, attra- you got a little bit of Romeo and Juliet in there, right? With the attraction between Lillian, Alec, who, you know, the long feuding families, and then the fantasy trappings, which aren't really fantasy, but they are. They're aliens, but okay. And the, the, um, Thane is a motherfucker. Uh, it's the characterization is super spot on. It's just great. Um, Alec has a girl who he was somewhat attached to uh, growing up, and she's in the mix in season two. It's just amazing. This book is flat out friggin' amazing. And if you're not reading it, I kind of feel sorry for you, I really do, because you're missing out on one of hands down the best comics. From the last yeah, year, and Connor, Connor was at uh, New York Comic Con too. Oh, really? Was he really? Yeah, he was at the uh, he was at the scout booth. Oh, okay. I was gonna say. I mean, he it says here he was the winner of the 2016 Miller World Art Contest. Um, but it doesn't look like he did much published work, at least in the in this country, until White Ash. Oh my goodness! There's, there's another book called The Game that looks interesting too. That's but his stuff is great. I mean, it, it's yeah. definitely yes. it's definitely a buy alley. It's 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 yep. it's definitely the kind of art I love. I mean, there's super sexy, it, real big emotive eyes, and it's great. Oh it's yeah, great. there's one uh, sequence where uh, Alec and Lillian are are hunting this brood member. I'm not going to give too much away, but at she she's just she just has a bag. She's carrying a bag, and he's like, oh, okay. So they get attacked, and she just pops an elven bow out of her bag, and she's pew, 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 and she's shooting arrows at this thing. And she's tumbling in air, and her body's arcing, and it's just, it's gorgeous. But later on in the story, once they get to the dwarven armory, she uses dwarven air. Like, the other arrows didn't have any effect on this thing it was just knocking them out of the air or grabbing them and breaking them and like laughing at them like are you serious you're, you're gonna come at me with this and she's like well yeah i only have walmart arrows that's what i had and uh so they, they go to the dwarven armory and she takes dwarven arrows and she eviscerates this thing she doesn't kill it because there's more story but it's so surprised that she managed to not only connect with it but it, it's like it pierces the thing's hands. It's in his chest, and it's uh, it's just amazing. You gotta see it. I love this book. 
I love it. So That's the great. Free Comic Book Day was a preview or prelude to season two. Yeah, yeah. I almost did myself. Well, no, I didn't do myself a disservice by reading it because it made me go get the first trade. So I'm glad I read it. But if you read that first glimpse at season two, there's a lot of big question marks. Like what? what you you have no idea that the the elves and the dwarves are aliens. I just thought, okay, fantasy. Like like a, a fables type deal, you know, sure, fantasy yeah. races mixed in with regular people. It works. It's a it's a cool chestnut. It, it, it always connects with me. But yeah, this book does have a little bit of a fables um, feel to it in that there's a mythology that a clandestine mythology going on mm-hmm. that the regular denizens of White Ash have no idea. Um, but the fact that the the elves or the dwarves are miners, like come on, that is just gold. But there's a purpose for their mining. They're not just mining because that's what they need to do. They're mining for a purpose. They need to find that key to open the portal to get the hell out of here. But it's not good that the brood are back. And there there are generations of brood. And the one that pops up in this story is first generation. Like, he was the child of someone directly touched by that the, the blood of the... Uh, uh, Nia Hoger or whatever, but it's it's amazing book. Get it? I'm not going to say any more about it. It's just too freaking good. Most of you aren't good enough to read it, but give it a, a wow, try. Wow, that's hurtful. <laughs> not well, you, <laughs> but give it a try anyway. It is just it makes my friggin' day. It does. You know the uh, it really is. It's wonderful how much you you are. Like I'm, you guys make fun of me stuff. I'm, I'm a loyalist for Daft's got his stuff that he. But you, dude, if if there are, if if there's swords and shields, if oh, I'm done. Yeah. If there's elves and dwarves, man. If there's middle earth, that's your shit, dude. I'm you done. Are, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying this isn't high quality because it actually looks quite good. I mean, I, I, I have, honestly, you're the only person I've ever heard talk about it, and it, and I'm gonna give it a try because I trust your opinion. But, but like that being said, I mean, th- this this is an obvi- like this is the kind of thing in a solicit you're like, oh, I'm gonna try this. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, briefly, while we're on the subject, have you seen King Conan number one? I was hoping we might chat about it tonight. A little oh, jeez. Uh, w- whenever. I I want to throw rose petals in front of Ma- Mahmoud when he walks down the aisles at the Comic Cons because that guy yeah. is just incredible. There's so much to be happy about with this book. I mean, as you're referencing, King Conan number one, I believe, of 12, right? Um, Came out today. Uh, Twelve or six? okay. Is it? I was is, it, or is six. it six? I, I honestly I don't know. Um, I, I'm not sure. Maybe, but but King Conan one of something came out today uh, as we're recording, and um, you know Mahmoud on his social said, "Oh, you know, check out King Conan." I'm like, all right, <laughs> I didn't insist, but yeah, it is six. <laughs> all right. uh, okay, it's of six. All right. Um, it, it's it, first of all, it's wonderful because if you go back to the archives and listen, we were all very excited about uh, when when. Marvel got the license for Conan back. Jason and Mahmoud were the in, initial team. We were so excited, not just because of of Jason being a great writer and Marvel getting the license back, but because we are we have the good pleasure of calling Mahmoud a, a friend. You know, not, he's not just someone we we like his art, but we know him well, and and we know from from him how excited he was to be working on 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 Conan. You know, he's done a, just an absolute. I mean, Mar- Mahmoud has literally touched pretty much every facet of of marvel at this point and and a, and a decent chunk of dc before that and um 
and he he just I've never seen him so excited to work on a character or a world than he was for Conan, and it was amazing. But it was only twelve issues, you know. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I I unfortunately dropped off the Conan book. Uh, I just I, I went a few issues beyond their run and and just didn't just didn't stick with it for me. So I I, I moved on. So. So when they announced they were coming back to do one more story, I, I just was so excited. And I know we, we're not alone. I know our shout-out to our boy Caleb, who has got the, probably the vapors, the hot flashes over this one today. Um, hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I proudly own pages from Mahmoud's first run on Conan. I, I hope to own pages from this. It's it's phenomenal. Um, it's It definitely... I mean, not, it, it's like they didn't skip a beat, which I don't know why we would think that they did. Um, as you might suspect, this is a much older Conan. He uh, he has spent a lot of years now going from barbarian and pirate and and uh, you know traveler uh, nomad to to being a king and a, and a ruler, and he has um, abdicated the throne. I won't say to who or why. Uh, I'll leave that for well, you to read the issue. If they've ever read the books, they know. Right, well, but yeah. I, but I would imagine I would you, you would assume a lot of people probably haven't read the books, right? I mean, right, that, probably yeah. you're right. Yeah, right. But sure, if you're familiar with source material, you can guess why. I mean, it's it's this is they're not breaking new ground here in terms of of what came uh, from Howard, but but uh, I thought it, the first issue looked great. It was paced wonderfully. Um, there were tons of flashback sequences chronicling. I mean, the 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 framing sequence of this is a battle. Between him and a very, let's say, uh, familiar foe. <laughs> you, um, <laughs> what? Yeah, you, I was going to say you could say it. It's it's pretty much a, a given. But okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, leave him a little little dangling. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, but 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 as they are battling, they there's flashbacks to what Conan's been up to since since uh, these two st- stopped their their run on the book together and. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great, man. I, 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 I'm not surprised by it. I expect it to be terrific. But um, I think Mahmoud is an amazing artist. I, I am proud to own art from almost every series, if not every series that he's ever done. I, I like his art that much. And I don't think he'd be upset if if I said that, that his work on Conan is his best to, to date. Between the first 12 issues and this, I think that, that, that it's just inspired work. Well, you're not lying. No, I, I, well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you know, that can come out wrong, right? Like, like if it's like, I don't mean to imply that his other work isn't phenomenal too. I'm just saying that that this seems to have like that little extra tinge of like pride, right? That he gets to leave his mark on this character. I'm very, very picky when it comes to uh, the visuals on a Conan book. Um, I think the the Ablaze stuff is very, very good, but I wouldn't rank any of those artists with what i consider the cream barry windsor smith john basima uh yeah the, the you know the the the, the classic bronze age mm-hmm. conan artists i have no problem adding mahmoud to that list yeah not at all but i i think mm-hmm. his work on this is just phenomenal yeah. uh and he he reaches into the past and and uh grabs what visually work then it's an homage to the past it's it's inspired by the past but it's not it's not dated in any way it's very contemporary but i don't know he's just got a foot in both worlds and he is just ripping up these pages i think he's he just he's incredible yeah 
Yeah, it's 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 great stuff, and and what you just said has my mind racing. I would dare say that in terms of characters that have had a ton of comic comics about them, Conan's been treated pretty well over the years, man. Oh yeah, like yeah. no, right? But you know what I'm saying? Like, because even I know that like Becky Cloonan's run is some people isn't they don't care for because she did a very skinny version of Conan. But like she's a terrific cartoonist, and like Carrie Nord, I thought his run looked great. Agreed. You know, like, yeah. like so, it's just like I mean, if you look at all of the all of the 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 at least the memorable runs on Conan, I mean, he, he has been. They have had a lot of excellent, excellent artists do do pay homage to that character. Whereas, I mean, there have been a you know pick any any other big two character saying there's been a lot of great art and a lot of not so hot art, right? Because there's a lot of comic, so. Um, He's been treated pretty well. I agree. Yeah. Um, the 90s were not kind to Conan. Okay. It, I wasn't. I wasn't. By and large, yeah. I mean, they tried to apply the image format to Conan. That doesn't work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did Bart Sears ever draw Conan? I could see him making like a 20 pack. I'm um, not entirely sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, think so. I don't know. I mean, he, 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 he did close enough on the covers of. Uh, Wizard and Brutes and Babes, but I don't think he ever drew an actual Conan right. story. Well, I think that's the, the thing with Conan. Um, if if the fan base judges you not worthy, uh, and, and it's really easy to do that with the stellar talent that has touched the character of Conan, uh, sales are going to tank. And uh, like I said, it's very hard. It, it, you cannot lowball conan if you're not a consummate illustrator uh figure work uh you know period architecture and and costumery uh, it's going to show you have to be able to do the job john basima say no more right you have to be able to be convincing and you have to be really good and there's not a whole lot of guys out there that can carry that weight mahmoud's one of those guys it's amazing. It's amazing. I never thought, never, I, I thought that Marvel would do a Conan that looked this good. I thought they would just, you know, it, it would be good, but not phenomenal. Like that. Mm-hmm. This this is totally surprising. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we all enjoyed it. I think you can't be a Conan fan and not not enjoy this issue. <laughs> totally agree. What else we got? There is one thing that I was really looking forward to when, uh, when it finally got here. I um, couldn't wait to dig in because the art is absolutely phenomenal. The story, the story might be long in parts, but that's I, I feel my man is a phenomenal artist. Um, but he may have some work to do before I think his, his, his writing matches, um, the lines he puts down, but this was, uh, this is an original graphic. Well, no, it's not an original graphic novel because I believe it's, it's cut up into chapters. So I'm pretty sure these issues, this book was this translated and, and it was originally, um, sold as, as singles, but it's, it's, uh, it's called Smart Girl, 
and it is by Fernando Dagnino, who uh, is the winner of the Carlos Jimenez Prize for Best Artist in Heroes Con Madrid. And uh, he's currently the artist on Blade Runner Origins, also published by Titan, who published this this hardcover. Um, But because of the art, I was like, I... I got to see what this is about. And, and, and again, it's, you kind of speak my language when you start talking about, or you're, or you're going to tell a story regarding AI or robots or replicants or androids, cyber, whatever. If, if, if it's got that kind of bend to it, I'm, I'm going to be interested in checking it out. And, um, and this really didn't disappoint. Again, I, I think maybe there are parts where some of the chapters, went on a little long but i didn't mind it because the art is just so worth the price of admission and 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 the art style is is kind of a lot of it reminds me of um alan weiss for anybody who might have read still grip starkey uh a younger alan davis not the alan davis we know today with the mark farmer inks but the younger version uh and and there's some flashbacks that are mostly kind of painted with gray tones that reminds me a bit of um acuna and in a good way and the um the gist of the story is basically our our uh, our smart girl the the heroine of the story um her name is yuki her nickname is scrappy and we find out why her owner uh refers to her as scrappy and, and her owner is uh is is a not so nice man um named hirochi and uh and hero is, is a bit of a prick he, he treats her very poorly uh but we find out later on why he is the way he is um and she she kind of um she she's been she's an older model because he's had her for a couple of years now uh and 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 she's not necessarily glitching but she's doing things that that are causing him um that are really kind of aggravating him kind of like you know when when you're at a computer and or or you're using skype and it doesn't behave the way you want it to then you know you you get a little irate that that's how hero is towards towards yuki and and um but she uh she's the the smart droids male or female um they're basically you know they're they're a walking, uh, I would have said Palm Pilot 10 years ago, but they're, they're, they're a walking iPhone where they basically, they're, they're alarm, uh, they do everything the computer will do, plus beyond that, of course, she massages him, he takes advantage of her, he basically, I mean, it almost, I would, I would consider it rape the way he, he, he treats her and, and um, bends her over the table. But she kind of, I when, but she glitches at one point, and I was so hoping that maybe, you know, she would have shocked them or, or, or done something even worse but she kind of just not quite powers down but she, she she glitches and and of course that just makes him lose the whole moment the uh the backdrop is this uh the company that hero works for um they they create they they, they make smart droids but um things aren't quite above board with, with with everybody on the board but it it's uh so, so so you've got that kind of uh business side um 
underhanded backstory, but we're focusing on um, Yuki. And there's a great, there's a couple, there's a great page where, of course, um, I, 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 Fernando knows how to draw the female form, no doubt, and uh, we get to see pretty much all of Yuki's form at some point. And there's a, um, there's a moment where Hero brings home a younger, newer model who kind of looks a little bit like Saturnine from uh, from Excalibur, but um, her name is Severin, and and she uh, or Severine, and she um, she's because she's new. Of course, Hero is is very much um, infatuated with her, whereas you know, old and busted over here, he's like, listen, I got I got no time for you. you. Can go ahead and just you know make sure you transfer all your data to the new unit and um and i'll just you know i'll I'll take care of you later but she um i guess at some point during their uh i don't want to call it a relationship but uh some role playing must have gone on because she comes down wearing like a um uh almost like a domino mask and a um uh, a leotard with a star on the front of it, which is is what you see on the cover, um, and that kind of becomes her her outfit for the rest of uh, for the rest of the story. And when she she sees she she's watching Severin and um, and Hero kind of do some roughhousing, and and so Yuki reacts and. Um, smacks down um severin actually she does more than smackdown she she basically she punches the, the robot's jaw like clean off and um and so so at this point hero's like listen just go ahead i need you to just shut down completely we'll handle this in the morning but you've got to this is just this is you you've just gone totally over the edge and um and something kicks in and she just busts out of um of the house she 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 rushes out crashes through the window the high rise and she's just and 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 she's outie and um and so now she's escaped and and heroes wigging out because of course she knows all of hero's secrets she's she's his computer and and he's like he's like i can't have her out and about if if the company finds out what i've been doing um, I'm done for, and the company does find out. But because there's so many other layers where it's not like he's not the only bad dude in this story. There's other people in the company that also um, are kind of uh, not doing what they're supposed to be doing, and and uh, because things haven't been doing well for the company, some quarters have been cut, and uh, and and they've just been really trying to bury as much as they can until they can kind of just all they just got to do is is get this last order in and uh and, and they'll be on easy street then they can kind of fix things up later but um but we find out that there's more to yuki than just her being a a, a two-year-old computer that there, there there were uh other memories implanted and it just it it's the adventure she goes on, she ends up getting captured and gets thrown into a um, into a 
uh, underground fight scene where she has to take on this really elderly looking uh, smart droid. Her name is uh, Cynthia Butler, and she um, she's she's been around and 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 she's seen things, and she's she's broken free of her OS, uh, so she's kind of a free spirit, and she's kind of um, guiding Yuki to to break free and and just you know squash your operating system and and you know and you just they're going to work together um hero is is she really yuki at one point she she really screws up um hero's day because she she um she starts going through his files and 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 letting him know you know what she's aware of she uh when he's chasing her down all of a sudden all these little um like Amazon smart drones show up with all these little parcels and they're like blocking. He's, he's driving to catch up to her and the taxi is just like they hit a roadblock because all these smart drones are sitting there holding these parcels and he opens and, and he opens one of them because they're all being delivered to him and they're all filled with bees and he's allergic to bees. So now he's, he's being stung and, and he's all fucked up and it's, it's a crazy ride and and it's just it's a fun and beautiful looking ride because of what how Fernando pretends it and and a, the 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 futuristic city and and a lot of it is um for the most part there are things that could kind of exist today and 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 slightly exaggerated of course for for this particular story, but um, as things unfold and, you know, not everybody is how they're, how you assume them to be at the start. Uh, there's a lot of layers here. So he really did. I mean, Fernando really put a lot into this story. Um, it, it's, there are some moments where you kind of just got to go back a little bit and make sure you didn't miss something. Um, which is probably the only nitpick is just at how fluid it may not really flow based on, on, on the way he kind of jumps around um, with some of the, uh, the storytelling techniques, because we, we, we do start off like decades earlier and then we're like in the year 2075 for, for the year 78 for the bulk of it. But um, it's, it's crazy. I, I absolutely loved it. It was, um, it's, I can definitely see me just flipping through this from time to time just to check out the art. I, I really, and, and whether it's, I mean, there's, there's some laughter going on, but there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of agony and anguish and, and just, he's got a real good flair, um, when it comes to facial expressions and, and making sure that, you know, you, you know what the character's, are feeling um there are some very evil people and and people you really really want to make sure that you see get theirs um and and whether or not they do um you know that's the people who really shouldn't be around in, in real life kind of tend to always they're like cockroaches so um you may have to anticipate 
things not always going the way you want with uh, with, with some of these characters. But it was it was an absolute blast. Um, there's a uh, there's a pinup gallery uh, with a bunch of um, European and I believe Spanish artists. Some names I'm familiar with. The um, I, I uh, there's a a forward by um, or an introduction by Chris Thompson, formerly of of Titan who uh, now works for Eagle Moss, who we met at uh, New York Comic-Con that year. And um, he, I believe he played a part in making sure that uh, the American audience or that Titan Comics was able to uh, to reprint this and um, and share it with the rest of us. But this was, yeah, this was, um, this was, this was a blast to read. I, I said, I couldn't wait to get it. Um, I actually, I forgot I ordered it from DCBS because it was also in my wish list for um, from uh, cheap graphic novels and when I got the notice that it was available from Max I went back and checked my DCBS order to make sure I wasn't going to double dip and um, and yet it was processing and ready to ship so I waited it got here and um, and it was the first thing I read from uh, from last month's box it's, it's a nice oversized hardcover um yeah, I, I absolutely had a blast with this, and and you know you find out why um, Hero refers to Yuki, why she has the nickname Scrappy, um, and it's it, it it's kind of fucked up, but then not really. As you find out more about Hero, it, it it's um it's crazy, man. It it is not it is not what you think it may be from the start, um, and it just kind of goes in crazy directions it's it's a hell of a night and a couple of days for this uh i was gonna say young lady for this for this smart girl um but no i i absolutely had a blast with this if if, uh if if you can get it if you can find it absolutely i would recommend it i think the 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 black and white art the great tones he's he's got a um he's got a way with uh with a line and and i absolutely love it i'm gonna i'm already reading Blade Runner Origins, which I'm enjoying, but anything else that uh, Fernando does, I will definitely be keeping an eye. I know he's got another um, graphic novel being worked on, so uh, I'm going to keep an eye out for that. But Smart Girl was was an absolute blast. Yeah, nice. I'm a big fan of his art. I I, um, I met him actually at uh, New York Comic Con a few years ago. He was rep by Splash Page Art Mark Hay, and I got a okay. download from him. But uh, he's now moved on to uh, he's now rep by Kirby Kirby's comic art, but um, yeah, he he, all of his like big two art, uh, like he's done Supergirl and yep. Suicide Squad, and he, that's all available for sale. Um, but it looks like his, uh, written drawn like European stuff is not available for sale. So I don't know if he's already sold it or if he's just holding on to it. I don't know the answer to that, but but I don't see any of that on on Kirby's site. Ah, okay. So no smart girl for you. Ah, I'll just have to settle for the hardcover for now. Mm-hmm. What you got, birthday boy? You know, as we are nearing the year of the end of the year, and we're getting ready for our 11 o'clockers and celebrating all the things that we love the most about the year of comics, uh, I was, I'm mindful of the fact that, and this is not scientific, so you guys can tell me if you disagree, but I'm mindful of the fact that I think in the God's help us 13 years we've been doing this. This is the least we've talked about Big Two Comics in a year. 
and I put a lot of the onus on that statement on you and I, Vince. I mean, Dap still pretty regularly brings the the DC talk with the Superman. It's um, true. Yep. But I think you have gone almost completely like I don't I don't can't remember the last time you spoke on a big two book. Although I mean, you oh probably, King Conan, right, but yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, but like you know, but but certainly like superhero stuff. And and, and I'm not I probably talk some of the mutant stuff occasionally but i i certainly don't haven't talked about a lot of it so anyway I, i'm under that that was my assumption i thought you know i don't know if that was playing in the back of my mind or whatever but i did catch up on a bunch of superhero comics this week um maybe because i hadn't been reading a lot i was back in the mood and i was pretty pleased like with the stuff that i caught up on and i want to highlight um two in particular uh if i may um First of all, uh, Vince, because he, he does love me and he's a huge heart, even though he doesn't want you all to know that, he pinged me earlier to saying, uh, Boo, <laughs> I think you I think you're gonna like Wolverine number nineteen. <laughs> and uh and that prompted me because I was on this quest of reading some superhero comics this week. Um I, I continue to buy Wolverine because how can I not? I've I've bought it even at its worst. But I have haven't I was not current on it. But uh, Vince was not the only lovely person to say to me, "Hey Woodrow, you, I think my Wolverine nineteen is your speed." So, and, and and if you know me, you you and you've seen you've seen the comic, you probably can guess why they're saying that. The cover of the comic gives away there is a gigantic uh, seafaring creature that looks uh, very much like a mutant, a mutated, not a mutant, but a mutated uh, whale. And you all know I got a thing for whales. I have I have I have whales on my skin. So, anywho, um, but but after you you kind of were the straw that broke the camel's back because you don't often ping me about a superhero comic and say hey I, I think you'd enjoy this. So I I uh, pulled pulled out the issues and I, I read issues ten through nineteen of uh, the current run of Wolverine. Uh, writ all of them written by Ben Percy. He's written all nineteen issues of this new run um, with variant various artists. Uh, and I'll get to that. Um, it's a lot of fun. I, I have read just about every Wolverine comic that's ever been made. And they have quite often been middling or as the kids say, mid uh, to, to not so good. Um, you know, I, I don't know how the world feels about this run. Um, I wasn't thrilled with the early issues of the run in terms of the story. I was like, ah, this isn't, I'm not really vibing with this, but I'm, I'm glad I didn't stop getting it because I do think the, this 10 issues was a lot of fun. Um, the, the good is I do think Percy has gotten his legs under him. I think he does a very good handle on Logan. I like the character. I like Logan in his hands. I think he's, he's, he's got a good sense for him. Um, there seems to be a conceit, and I don't know if this is because of uh, like art, like timing, structuring the art, or whatever. But there's basically been uh, a rotation of stories. There's the the long standing, which started with the very early issues of uh, vampires wanting Wolverine's blood. Uh, that and then, but then they'll alternate between that and and other stories. Um, Sometimes by design, like for broader purposes, for example, there's issues that overlap with the Hellfire Gala, which all the mutant books did at the time. But there's also stories that um, involve uh, Maverick, and you all know happened. I love Maverick as well, and he's not in comics very often. 
and and they they just kind of bounce back and forth between these stories and often it's because of, there's different artists involved in those arcs mini arcs really that's kind of like two or three issues and then they'll go to the other story in two or three issues um the the that's the downside of the series which is that uh just generally speaking even if the artists doing a series are great uh, individually i personally don't love when a series alternates artists that frequently it's one thing if you're doing one arc is one artist the next arc is another that's okay but when you're giving me one or two issues and then switching artists then one or two issues then going back um that just doesn't seem to appeal to me as often or as frequently that that's i'm less likely to to love that uh in this case i mean i think all of the individual artists are for the most part quite good um with maybe one exception and i won't put them on blast they just did one issue i wasn't there was a fill-in issue i wasn't very pleased with visually but 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 even still i i have to say i i I wish that wasn't what was happening because like so so adam kubert is on a bunch of the issues including the uh the opening mini arc with maverick and i thought he looked great you know i'm i wouldn't say i'm the world's largest kubert brothers fan but but i i certainly think they can be very good and i thought he looked great i think both Cooper brothers are very, very good at drawing Wolverine. Like that's definitely something they can do. Um, and then Scott Eaton, who I think we're all generally fans of Scott's work. Like he's a good hand. He does some of the issues that revolve around the vampire stuff and the Krakoa stuff. And, um, you know, Scott is, uh, how do I say this? I, I don't, you know, I don't think Scott is a visual maestro, like I, I'm not ever gonna. He's not gonna win an eleven Oscar, you know. But I also think he's a very solid superhero hand. Um, so I don't think you're ever gonna be like put off by a Scott Eaton drawn comic. But you're also not gonna be drawn in and say, "God damn, y'all need to see this book." You know what I'm saying? Like he's he's just he's he's a solid hand. Um, and so it was fine, but like it wasn't eye popping. And then, like I said, the fill in issues were hit or miss, depending. So visually, it's uneven, for sure. Um, but storyline, I thought it's really well done. A lot of fun. And then, uh, which leads us to, and, and like I said, there's a couple different plot lines. There's the Hellfire Gala, which is his own thing. There is this ongoing vampire arc where essentially Dracula is seeing what's happening with the mutants in Krakoa, where they're this ma- major world power now. And he wants to be a world power, too. But he thinks to do that, they have to be able to be out in public and to have minions that can be out in in the daytime. And uh, they realize that Wolverine's blood, because of its unique properties, allows them to be out in the sun. But they need lots of the blood. So they basically need to capture Wolverine and make him into a a, a blood farm, right? And uh, they have Omega Red working with them. Now, I'm not, it's not clear to me if that means Omega Red is a vampire or just, like, I don't know why he's working with them. But whatever, he's been working with them. But uh, but uh, I guess spoilers, like Omega Red basically is put between a rock and a hard place of having to choose siding with his mutant brothers, even though they've most of his life been his enemies, or Dracula. And uh, he ends up double-crossing Dracula along, along with Wolverine, and and, uh, and they get the upper hand. So so that, that, arc come, that, that ongoing storyline comes to an end in this little run. And then we get to issue 19, which just hit the stands, the one that, that led me to talk about this. Issue 19 is basically a standalone. It's a one-shot. Um, there is uh, There are mutants washing up on the outer shores of Krakoa on one particular beach, and, uh, you know, they're being killed or disappearing, and uh, Wolvie is tasked with trying to figure out what's going on. So, like, uh, 
like uh, Quint in Jaws, like he he goes out into the uh, into the ocean with a little boat and starts chumming and starts trying to figure out what's going on, and he quickly sees what's going on, and it is a gigantic <laughs> creature that is a whale. Like the outer body very much looks like a gigantic whale, but it's got almost like a, like a Cthulhu sort of tenderly, tentacly alien protrusions coming out of its mouth, <laughs> right? Like it's, I mean, that's the best way to describe it, I guess. Yeah. But but it's you know it's this mutated giant sea creature that 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 is wrecking havoc, and Wolverine's the best at what he does, so he he takes it upon himself uh, to 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 get rid of the problem in, in a way that's very Wolverine-esque, and I'll leave it at that. Thought it was terrific. Great little one-shot issue in and out. If, if you're not reading the ongoing um, Butter Cure, like, this is a... You can absolutely just pick this issue up and read it. You, you don't need to know anything that came before. You don't... It, it's not going to continue on. It, it's just... If you want to see a freaky, really well-drawn, mutated sea creature story, uh, it, it this is a lot of fun. I mean, there's, like, a great white that's mauled the dead. Like, it's just really well done. And and the art is, uh, in this issue, is, uh, by Javi Fernandez, who did a long run on, uh, I know, Nightwing and some other DC books. But um, I don't know if he's going to be doing more Wolverine. But uh, as I said, I mean, it's kind of irrelevant to this. But I thought issue 19 was terrific. And I really do think the series is pretty good. Art is uneven, but I think I think Percy has a great handle on the character. So, so two thumbs up to, well, one and a half thumbs up to Wolverine. The book that gets all the praise, and uh, I also caught up, I read eight issues this week, is Nightwing. Now, I have almost no ties to Nightwing, historically. I've read, most of the time I've read Nightwing, he's either been as a uh, complimentary character in a Batman story, or in some version of of Titan, Teen Titans, Titans, whatever. Um, So I've read a lot of Nightwing in team settings. I have... I, I very, very infrequently read Nightwing uh, as a standalone character. I did read a chunk of his character uh, when Tom King was doing it as Grayson. So I'm not completely like a Nightwing, Dick Grayson, uh, solo title version. But, you know, it's not something I, I do frequently. Um, but I'd heard good things about Tom Taylor picking up this book. And I'm a fan of Tom Taylor generally. And so I gave this. I, I mentioned that I read the first issue that of of Tom's of Tom Taylor's run on this and liked it quite a bit. And it's been stacking up. And I got to tell you, it's freaking wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, and there's there's really two components to this run. Um, the main component, the main storyline, is uh, for those that don't remember, uh, poor one out for Alfred. He died, and Alfred left his. As it turns out, Alfred being Alfred. Um, wasn't just a butler. He took all of his earnings and invested them quite wisely. And he was a billionaire and he leaves all of his money to Dick. And, uh, now Dick is wealthier than Bruce in the current DC universe. It was kind of funny because Bruce lost a lot of his money. Um, Dick didn't ask for the money, doesn't know what to do with the money. And, and this, this arc thus far has been about Dick coming to terms with being a billionaire and figuring out what he wants to do with the money. Uh, and that is every issue of that. The main story has been drawn by uh, Bruno Redonda, who uh, also t- teamed up with Taylor on Suicide Squad before this. Redondo is a super clean, like crispy clean, simple, strong line weight superhero artist. And I think it looks great. Um, very, very good at, 
at action sequences and 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 I think does is pushing himself in terms of how he does his panel layouts in this book. Um, and that's just wonderful. Like I think the characterization is wonderful. He's 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 reconnected with Barbara in this book, but they're flirty and 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 it's you know that it it's not stereotypical. She's very much I think a great partner for him because she she tells him what's what, she tells him she keeps him in check. She makes him question his presumptions. Uh, there's a, a beautiful moment where he announces that he's going to take the money and basically create a gigantic philanthropic foundation to support Bloodhaven's people who need it the most. And he's nervous about asking Bruce about it because he thinks Bruce is going to poo-poo it, and they say it. So he doesn't ask Bruce, and then he announces it publicly. You know, it's all over the news. And then Bruce pings him and uh, is like, you really honored Alfred today. And I was like all in the fields, like, oh, damn, like his dad, you know, his dad gave him the thumb up when he thought his dad was going to like shit on it. Like it was great, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, he says, like, I'm proud to call you son and all this stuff. And like, it's just like it really just pulled the heartstrings, but it's really well done. And the reason it's worth bringing up tonight in particular is that the issue that just came out, which is issue 87, if, I'm, if I recall correctly, is uh, another Redondo issue. But, dude, it's it's so visually stunning. It's it's the whole issue is one continuous scene. So like li- like so all 22 pages is one scene from page to page of of Nightwing going through basically running through Bloodhaven trying to uh, achieve a goal I'll say. Um and it it's it's just terrific. I mean it, it just it reminded me of like the stuff that we're seeing from like um, Javier Rodriguez over at Marvel, you know, with some of the really interesting panel layout stuff he's done. In a way, this looked a lot of the book looked like what if Chris Ware drew a superhero book? Uh, the way it was done to convey the single panel, the single frame throughout the whole book. Um, the story in and of itself is is it? I mean, it's it, there's nothing all that earth shattering about this particular issue in terms of story. It's just the visual. Uh, gimmick, I guess, if you, for lack of a better term, of of being all one continuous frame was so awesome. Because again, like it's superhero comics, you don't expect to be surprised by. I mean, everything's been done a million times. So, although you know, this is not something I've seen in a long time, and I thought he executed it perfectly. Um, so yeah, it's it's you know what it reminds me of. It reminds me a lot of of the Hawkeye book um, when like Aja was drawing it or Lemire was drawing it or like Ramon Perez, like that whole, that whole era. Um, that's kind of what this is right now, like with Nightwing and it's all, it's a lot about him trying to take care of the people home. There's homeless kids. He's trying to take care of. There's a, a villain that's been throughout the arc called heartless who steals, basically pulls people's hearts out and kills them. And Dick's trying to figure him out. He hasn't, he hasn't gotten to him yet. He's just still trying to track him down. But, uh, but I thought it was great. The only thing I will caveat to people is that, uh, like with a lot of superhero books, there's a three or four issue part in the middle where Nightwing gets pulled into Fear State, which was the Batman event. And he goes from Bloodhaven to Gotham to fight to deal with Fear State, along with all the other Bat characters. And those issues are drawn by Robbie Rodriguez, which look great. You know, Robbie's great, too. But they definitely are their own thing. And I hated it. Like not, I didn't hate. Like I didn't hate the story, but I hated that this beautiful, character-focused, street-level story with this upbeat, this heart, and this humor 
was pulled into this event for a couple issues and then we snap right back out of it and he's back in Bloodhaven and we pick up where we left off and it's wonderful again. So, you know, if you're looking to just cherry pick these issues, you can avoid the Fear State tie-ins, I think, because it's its own thing. Now, if you like Fear State, more power too, that's fine. I'm just saying, like, for me, I could have done without those issues and just read the Redondo Taylor stuff and been thrilled. But I got to tell you, I mean, I haven't done my 11 o'clock Chris ballot yet. I haven't filled out a single category yet. But I do, I think there's a good chance Nightwing is my superhero comic of the year. Wow. Yeah. Nice. I mean, Look I'm not, hold, don't hold me to that because I haven't, like, I haven't done a real serious audit of this yet. And certainly something like maybe one of the Hickman books or something overtakes it as I really give it critical thought. But but it's it's up there. I'm absolutely tickled by every issue that Taylor and Redondo have done. I think it's just wonderful. And it's what superhero comic should be. Nice. Yeah. I was taking a look at the uh, the current issue. It's it's pretty sharp. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. It looks really good. Yep. Neat. So there you go, people. People say we don't talk about superhero comics anymore. Wolverine and Nightwing. Check them out. Who are these people? Eh, you are. They, they love us, but they just they weren't saying it in a pejorative way. They were just making the comment uh, this week that we aren't necessarily as apt to talk about the hit superhero books uh, as we once were and that's that's fair i mean right i'm gonna need a, a list we were probably 80 percent superhero talk yeah write them down give me a list <laughs> it's okay i don't have a superhero book it's sorry okay. but i do have a book that definitely fits the comics should be ridiculous bill mm. it is bonkers it, it uh, a lot of uh creators they have that that elevator pitch that they can delineate their current work in like a sentence. There is no way to encapsulate this series in one sentence. It just doesn't work. Like it's written by Paul Tobin, and I can imagine Tobin pitching the the story, uh, this the series to AfterShock if that's what he did. And it probably took a, a, a good while because, like I said, there's no way to say. This is what this book is about because there's so much stuff going on in it. Um, illustrated by Andy McDonald with color art by DJ Chavis. It's published by Aftershock, like I said. Uh, the book was originally called Croak, but I'm guessing they changed the title to its current uh, title because Alterna Comics published a mini uh, a couple years back called croak uh initially i heard i read the title change and i was like what does that have to do with anything uh, but i'll tell you why uh, it's called my date with monsters number one it's it's crazy uh it focuses on a, a woman named risa himura and she invented a drug called blanket right the the drug ensures healthy dreams but blocks nightmares and in this world this drug is required by law mandatory you got to take these pills every night i say okay that's a cool setup but what's the deal with nightmares like why why are nightmares a problem here's the rub risa was part of a black ops project to weaponize dreams and it was a joint effort between the japanese military and the yakuza but 
during the development, shit went south. And when the issue starts, this, this whole big blow-up happened seven years prior to the current events. They call it the breach incident. And instead of weaponizing dreams, they tore a big old hole in reality, which was uh, literally an open door for the nightmares on the other side to, to jump into the waking world. Hence the need for Reese's blanket drug. If you don't have nightmares, these things can't pop into the world, right? But there's a problem. There always is a problem, right? Reese's husband, Sato, he died on that day. The breach incident. The guy was an asshole anyway, and probably deserved to die as much as anyone deserves to die. Um, so now... She's a single mom raising a young daughter named Machi. The daughter, why she was at the installation, I have no idea. But the daughter watched her father die. And because of the ensuing nightmares from the event, she's become a breach point, like a nightmare hotspot. She is almost singly keeping the breach open. So in the States, there's another joint project underway, again, with the Japanese Ground Self-Defense Force, Japanese military, the U.S. Special Ops Forces, and again, the Yakuza. So what is this? <laughs> it's so silly. So, so what is this grouping trying to accomplish? Well, uh, number one, they're trying to keep Misa alive, and they fear that if she dies the breach stays open forever. Fair enough, right? And two, they're trying to calm her nightmares by removing that trauma behind seeing her father die and they want to replace it with some rock-solid stability. Like, Misa just wants mom to be happy. She needs a healthy family atmosphere. She needs someone for her mother, someone her mother can love, an anchor for the whole family. So this, this grouping of organizations is, has, has gathered to make, to train a man, uh, his name's Genka, to train this Yakuza to fall in love with Risa. It's nuts. They're, they're, they're tutoring him in dining etiquette, in, you know, uh, wooing a woman. He's also being trained physically, but there's one panel where he's on a treadmill and they're showing him porn. And it's a very touching man and woman porn film. Um, and it, it's just nuts that all of these organizations would, would come together to m train a guy to fall in love, to make a woman fall in love with him. And you know where the story's going, right? Probably, I mean, they're eventually going to meet up, and she's probably going to hate his guts, right? I would think, I mean, if I was writing it, that's what I would do. I would throw a wrench in the machine. But anyway, so why was the book originally called Croak? Well, there's a character in the book called Croak, but that's not his real name. His real name is Hethry the Bridge Dweller. He's a giant 
troll. Big underbite, massive teeth, broken, um, completely hairless, and he's um, Reese's friend. Like, the two of them team up to eradicate these nightmares that spill over. And they, when the nightmares spill over, it's not like a... a uh, like a ghost-like thing. I mean, these are physical monsters that come into our world. So she's out on a date early in the book, and she goes to the ladies' room because the guy's a, a, a shithead. And and Croak is in there, and you know he so he keeps tabs on her and and vice versa. And the guy walks in and sees this massive creature. Like everyone knows about the nightmares. This is not a, a clandestine thing. These creatures are well known. And and Croak is one of the good ones, and so it's there's a team up between these two. Uh, but Misa want or, or Machi, the daughter, wants Mom and Croak to intertwine romantically, and then they're both like, "That's that's just never going to happen because he's a big old freaking troll, and I'm a, I'm a woman." Um, there's a, a a nightmare squad that just patrols, eliminating these nightmares wherever they find them uh, like i said there's there's a lot going on but the cliffhanger of the first issue and i can i'm going to spill it because the second issue already came out i think last week um so it takes place in a school it's it's machi school and she just hates school as any kid you know does and one of her friends falls asleep and they're like oh boy they, they even have uh, emergency levers on the wall. If any of these nightmares pop up, you go over and you like a fire alarm, but it's for creatures. Um, and one of the creatures, this really cool Japanese-looking creature, just pops into the classroom, and that you know, okay, so Machi is is being threatened at the end of it. It's just the book is insane. Um, that date I told you about early in the book, when uh, Mom leaves machi in the hands of a young lady who's very uh attached to um marijuana and she doesn't really keep tabs on machi so machi goes in her room and she falls asleep and she walks in and the room is just full of creatures around the bed and one of them has an eyeball where his butthole is if you want to see this creature go to the website 11oclockcomics.com go to the episode thread in the gallery it walks with its ass up in the air and there's an eyeball right in its butthole and it is the coolest thing like i want a vinyl of this thing but do you not the pitch on this thing do you not hear or feel that this is a book like really tailor-made for me it's about monsters that just trapes over into the waking world because of an unfortunate incident with trying to weaponize dreams. Like, what? It's crazy, but it's really good. It's fun. Anytime uh, I hear ass eyes, I think Vince. Right. I mean, come on. Like prison pit. You know, like just just these these off the the beaten path creatures. Like that's that you can say that exactly about this book. This book is atypical. I, I hazard to. Guess that there's really not another book out there like My Date with Monsters. And that's, see, now now the title makes sense, right? It's all about um, the, uh, what the hell is his name? Uh, Genka. It's all about him wooing 
Risa and to to calm Misa's nightmares. That's it. But the there's so much more. It's crazy. Uh, I love it. And and again, it's just part of the big turnaround I had with Aftershock because, like you know, wasn't really vibing with them back in the yeah. day. But I think now with Chicken Devil and My Date with Monsters and Heathens, like they're publishing a lot of good books. In my estimation, you 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 know your opinion may be different. But I think uh, Aftershock is entering a, uh, I don't want to call it a golden era, but it's, it's, a, it's an upward swing, way upward swing in, mm-hmm. in, in their books. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of uh, smaller publishers, maybe you guys knew this already, because I did not, that Nathan Gooden is not only an artist, uh, but he is a co-founder at Vault. Did not know that. Did not know that either. Did you know that, Dad? I did not. He is the art director at Vault, and uh, he and I were chatting this week. He uh, he just recently did a commission for me, and we were oh jealous. Was my second one? So. Uh, well, jealous, double jealous, jealous. Yeah, yeah, double jealous. But I said, and I said, you know, I was we were chatting, and I happened to notice on his website it said art 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 director at uh, at Vault, and I said, oh man, I said cool. Like, is, did you like did your work? You know, did your work at Barbaric lead to you becoming art director? And he said, "Nah, man, I've been art director from jump." Uh, he said, "My," he's like, "I and and the two other guys." He's like, "We're the co-founders." We, he's like, "They're my cousins." It's like we started in my cousin's garage. Yeah, in a garage. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, oh shit. So yeah, they're all they're all family. Well, I was gonna say I didn't know he was uh, management in a sense, but you know, lock that guy down because he's just incredible. Uh, Rush is great. Have you've you've read that, right? No, well, no. I mean, I, I I'm waiting for the. I'm hoping they do the same. I'm hoping they do the hardcover like they did with uh, Barbaric. Yeah, yeah. That but came... I know that Rush is a is a is a Western, and I was just lamenting the lack of Western comics. So I'm, right, right. I'm 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 holding out. I. It was a lot to not buy the issues, honestly, because gotcha. I, I really I think I think there. Uh, I've been as part of my Advent video series. I've been answering. Uh, patron questions and, and there's a question that's pending I haven't done a video yet I'm, I'm probably going to before it's over uh, about um, artists that haven't broken big yet that I think are worthy of that and and um, I haven't really compiled a full list yet but but Nathan is at the top of it I, I think he is very special yeah he's ridiculously good and the good thing about it is uh, as far as Vault's concerned he ain't going anywhere it's not like well, that's the thing. When I saw, I thought, oh, like that's smart. They locked him up because I thought they just made him art director. I'm like, well, that's smart. I mean, he's he's, I think, by far and away, they're the best artist that's been there yet. So, like, lock him up. Like, that's good because I'm sure he's going to get suitors. And then I realized, like, that felt so dumb because I'm like, oh, he's he's been art director from the start. So I guess that's yeah, yeah. I love him, but I think there's one better. Uh, well, and admittedly, I'm I'm his his two books are the only two vault books I've read, I believe. So. Yeah. Well, if I tell you, you'll be you'll poo poo it. So, I won't. No. What? I I like Hayden Sher- Sherman better. Chicken Devil. Oh. I think he's. I think. He's, oh, oh yeah, you're nuts. But yeah, I know what you're. Okay, Brad, you're cool. I am. It's. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, completely. Complete. I mean, there's no real comparison of to it. It's what I mean. Gooden is fantastic at what he does, and I really think that 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 Hayden. 
knocks that out of the park on Chicken Devil. He was good on Thumbs. It, it's I've I appreciate both. I think they both do what they do really, really well. Oh yeah, I, it's, it's of course. It's really hard for me to say that I, I would want one over. I oh, man, you know what? I, I got. I'm going to make a proclamation. I got to read some more Vault next year because I'm looking at their talent on their website both writer and artist they had a lot of very quality people involved that's what in i'm saying yeah. yeah 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 i i i don't i just don't know why you know it's hard you guys know how it is like it's hard with, there's so many publishers it's hard to i mean i'm already I have we all have so many years of Regine. it's it's just easier to say ah, i'm not gonna read that ah, you're you just know, racist just, that's what it is racist what <laughs> you're racist against vault and scout and those those uh, it is right, first of all, my man Slaminski. Like once, once my man Slaminski gets a gig, um, so <laughs> Scout's all right with me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about racist. I mean, are, 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 you're kidding, right? Like, I know no, of course I'm kidding. Racist, but are, are the vault founders like people of color? I don't. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They they publish great books, and so I I will consume them. Yeah, I said uh, the the barbaric hardcover. I think came out this week. Or yeah, last, yeah. solicits this week. I'm I'm holding my breath <laughs> that our our lovely procurer gets the book to us. Yeah, it's ridiculously good, and you will hear more about that, I'm sure, in an upcoming episode. Boop boop boop. And that was volume one, so I'm hoping we do get more. Yeah, I like that it was only three issues. I think that's smart. That's a nice bite-sized chunk. Yep. Everything you do. Yeah. Yeah, for for those that are vault aficionados out there, and I know there are many of you, uh, what what vault books should I read next? Oh my god, you'll probably hear Money Shot. Yeah, Wasted Space. Well, I know you like Dead Box, Vince, right? Like you just talked about that. Love Dead Box. Wasted Wasted Space is great. Uh, of course, Barbaric. Well, I've read, that's the one I've read. I, yeah, there's. Um, um, I, I, oh, you know what? I forgot. I forgot. Giga was a vault book. I yeah, that. great. It's a little late. The ending, uh, the last issue, I believe. Yeah, yeah. But it's another great book. Yeah. And I, I'm, sh- I'm sure I, uh, I have more, but uh, can't think of them at the moment because I'm wondering what's up with. The uh, Patreon. I was trying to. I was. I was clicking on something because uh, the uh, free month is coming to a close, right? So uh, yes, we have. We have. Well, it's. Uh, we have thirty-one days in December. It's the we're recording on the twenty-second, so they've got nine more days. Yeah, you got some time left to go over there and check out all the stuff. Uh, Jason is just blasting the feed with videos every day more power to you i would not be able to do that you you all day every day yeah talk on topics various and sundry and uh it's awesome so if you want to check out everything that's going on on the patreon feed just go over there patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics it's all there you get to see what goes on all the time book of the month you can look at that Uh, Mm -hmm. they can vote on that too right can people who well not they can't vote on it now but they could have voted on it right if yeah they, right i mean they, it's right it's as long now, as they, they registered right on, on the patreon site you could have you could have signed up and some people did you could have signed up for patreon just uh you just definitely have to give patreon your your basically your email address and then you could have voted uh 
it was free for anyone that was registered. If you just were, um, if you're just perusing, you could yeah. If you, were, if you were just kind of like clicking on the links we sent you, yeah, you couldn't yeah. have voted. But it's it's over now anyway. The vote the votes are in, and uh, and, and uh, as we as as Dapp unveiled last episode. But why don't you remind everybody of what we will be discussing uh, next week in between Christmas and New Year's, Dapp? We will be discussing Havoc and Wolverine Meltdown, written by the Simonsons, illustrated by Kent Williams and John J. Moe, each artist taking care of our heroes in the uh, in the title. I haven't read it in a bunch of years. I'm looking forward to revisiting it to find out uh, how it fares and uh, what I remember about it and, and uh, as we tend to do when things are a bit older and, 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 and we read it when it first came out. Uh, Things don't always age well, or the whole rose-colored glasses things. But I'm 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 optimistic. I'm confident with this because the Simonsons, Walt and Weezy know what they're doing, and um, and it 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 looks great. So yeah, I'm 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 psyched for it. We may have a guest with us if he can tear himself away from uh, from his family because he's uh, he's on vacation, and um, I just want to see what he thinks because it will kind of be it's it's it'll be a nice i i think if if he can make the time it'll make a nice bookend because spoiler he's one of the voices you heard in our bonus content from emerald city comic-con weekend true that yep and there's a guy in a hallmark movie that looks exactly like him albeit maybe 10 years older i don't think he looks anything like tree williams no he doesn't look like tree williams <laughs> yeah and I, i'm watching the movie and it's like it's freaking me out because the guy is ridiculously similar to to this man handsome devil but it was like he was that's what i'm saying yeah so there you go all right hey uh, just a reminder, if you want to get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door with zero effort. Click, 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 click. All these books. Look at all these books that I ordered. I got them. Go to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, and reap amazing rewards, massive discounts, uh, such as from Clover Press and the Library of American Comics, Terry and the Pirates Master Collection, Volume 1, $84. Spectrum and Heroes, number one from Antarctic, will cost you $2.49. That's 50% off. And uh, from Fantico and Feral House, we have Erie Publications, the complete covers, the whole bloody mess, hardcover and softcover. And from Feral House, you have the weird world of Erie Publications hardcover. All of those are discounted 30% off their list price. It's crazy. Just go there. DCBService.com, in case you didn't know. Well, I finally read it. Um, I did my due diligence. I've been putting it off. But I finally read Destroy All Monsters, the latest book in the Reckless series. Written hey. by yeah, written by Ed Brubaker, illustrated by Sean Phillips, color art by Jacob Phillips. Of course, it's from Image Comics. And I got to agree with Dap. I think it's the best one of the three so far. Aww. Yeah. Because while I like all the 
the clandestine espionage and the and the cloak and dagger stuff and the brutality and all that stuff is fun the mystery who you know trying to come to the conclusion of there's always a a twist and a and a bend in the road when brubaker writes it i love all that um but i love anna yes she's she's <laughs> yes. my favorite character in the series i like ethan's great uh He's he's the title character, so of of course he's great. Um, but there's something really special with Anna for me. Uh, both of these characters are kind of sort of cut from the same cloth. They they're both very guarded, and um, they have their demons and their issues. And uh, Ethan's not one to let fly with emotions or get attached to people. He's very very distant. Part of it's by design. But I just thought the interplay between Ethan and Anna, how he met her, the, what her relation is, relationship is to the theater was great. Um, their ups and their downs and that little bomb that Brubaker dropped towards the end of the story that I just want to sit down and have a very, very nice long talk with him about his future plans, uh, whatever they may be, and the uh, just just to keep it, you know, in the back of his mind that should he not do it well, he's going to be in real big trouble with me. <laughs> because, like I said, I love Anna, and I'm, I'm both looking forward to and dreading future yes. volumes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I mean, like, yay, that's great. But then, and it's like, you, oh, you, you, you're worried about what he's going to do. I'm like, shit. Yeah, but the, I think that that's just a um, uh, a signpost of just how good Ed is as a writer because we care about these people. If if it was just another cast off character, whatever, I have plans for whatever. Great, just do what you got to do. Nobody, you know. But when you say something like that, and it's Anna. You got me concerned now. That's that's a, a a very good writer that can crack my shell and get me to actually feel and care about people. So, um, and yeah, there's a there's a uh, the the typical goings on in this book. There there's a, a a case that must be cracked and solved and and brought to its conclusion. And then there's a little bit of a twist, right? So standard reckless stuff. But at the heart of this thing is just the uh, relationship between ethan and anna and it is just freaking wonderful on a whole bunch of levels i i just thought this book was great now, i'm not want to discount the previous two they were awesome as well and again i'm sure you're gonna hear these names again by you know in january it's just the way it is right i'm not gonna front they're 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 the best at what they do uh making comics but this book was really special yeah it's super. I'm so glad. Yeah, it's great. I knew you dig it. I just wasn't sure how much you would, especially and, compared to what came before. But yeah, right. And, but and, and the shipping thing, right? What these kids do. I shipped these these characters. What, however they say it, right? Whatever. Uh, I, I I would never ever ever want to see that happen here because Ethan has a fatherly. Um relationship yeah. with with Anne, he wants to guide her and, and the whole thing with the boyfriend like what the hell are you doing with this guy he's an idiot he talks during movies that to me is a major red flag if you're going to talk during a movie you are absolutely no friend of mine i don't want anything to do with yep. you 
And, uh, you know, she's not having it because she's young and she thinks she's doing the right thing and she thinks this kid's all that. And Ethan's like, ah, I got news for you. He's an idiot and an asshat and you should distance yourself from him. Of of course, Ethan knows. He's older. He's more experienced, right? Um, But this is, I mean, I, I live this world when you're trying to impart experience and wisdom to a, a someone younger than you and they're just not having it uh like that's part of being a parent it's it's the role we all play i did it to my father and mother my kids do it to me i i so part of this ranks really true with me because this is the way it is and it, it's just like i never saw ethan as a fatherly figure but in this story i did yeah great stuff Indeed. Love it. <laughs> love that you love it. Um, in your travels, uh, I guess we'll... Um, I guess this is a... Uh, Tom Taylor O'Rama. Uh, Dark Knights of Steel number two. Picking up immediately where the first issue left off with, uh, with the murder of a king. Um... Taylor and 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 yes and Putri on on art, um, which is gorgeous, and the um, colors by uh, Arif Prianto, and and it's um, once the arrow hits its target, Batman leaps into action, um, confronting the archer, and uh, moving awfully quickly, and also showing off some abilities that uh, Batman tends to not have. Uh, But that's because if you read the first issue, um, you know, Batman's got some, um, he's from different stock than what you might be used to uh, in, in um, his regular ongoing, but we find out who put the, well, it's, it's confirmed who, Put the uh, the assassination in motion. Um, there is another king, uh, King Pierce, who um, has three children, all who um, have the ability to kind of uh, manipulate the elements. Um, of course, uh, it, it's Anissa, Jennifer, and um, and Jacob, Thunder, Lightning, and and Jacob has the ability to um, call on rain. Um, and I'm, I'm of, of the three kids, I definitely feel one of them is the weakest link. And by the time you get to the end of the issue, uh, that's, that's, that's kind of confirmed, but we're also introduced to um, Zara Jor-El, who is Cap's sister. Who is in a relationship with Princess Diana? Lois Lane goes to Amazon Island to let Zara know uh, that there's um, a situation back at home, and um, and Zala takes off to uh, to the kingdom. Uh, while that's happening, Cal wants to talk to the Archer, um, who's imprisoned. And while uh, while he's talking, Bruce and Harley, the court jester, they're uh, 
they're leaving the um, the dungeon. But in the background, you see uh, you see some speedsters. Uh, I see a bluish looking devil. Uh, there's a talking monkey, who of course would lead me to think is 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 a detective chimp. But it's it's a um, it's a very entertaining Elseworlds tale. Um, the two issues in, I'm absolutely enjoying it. Seeing characters I'm familiar with uh, portrayed differently, some uh, with different attitudes and and senses of entitlement that you might not normally see. There's there's a there's a scene where um, Cal is kind of short with Bruce. Um, he's kind of knee jerk in, in his reaction, but that's because he doesn't have uh, all the information. So it makes sense, but it's still not something you kind of want to see a Superman. It's not a way you want to see Superman behave. Um, but it, it's, it's a fantastic second issue. I cannot wait for the third. Uh, it's 12 issue maxi series. And I am along for the ride it's 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 two issues in it's been fantastic love the art uh really digging the way taylor is um writing characters that are extremely familiar but um kind of with the somewhat the 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 behaviors aren't necessarily so far removed from what you're used to seeing there there's probably i'm liking it probably because uh in part, Taylor is writing the characters, and there's still what is familiar about them uh, in in their modern stories. So it's it, it's not like you know he's not it's not it's not the injustice versions of of these characters. They're they're not Bizarro or mirror images. They're there's still something that you know you would recognize in Jefferson Pierce if you were reading a current Black Lightning story. That's still present uh, to a degree in King Pierce in, in this series, same thing with Cal, same thing with Bruce or Alfred. You, you get, you still know who's there, um, deep down in the foundation of, of, of these characters. But, uh, but there's still enough here where they're different enough where you don't know how they may react to something or what they're going to do. So, um, I definitely appreciate that aspect of, uh, of an Elseworlds tale. But yeah, in your travels, Dark Knights of Steel. Love it, dude. Tom Taylor's that guy, man. Let me tell you something. You know I got mad love for our boy Roland, but I think Tom Taylor may have overtaken Roland as my favorite Aussie comics person. <laughs> Just saying, Roland. Step up. Step up, um, bro. Yeah. In your travels. First of all, everybody, if you celebrate, have a Merry Christmas. Y'all know, you've been listening to this show long enough, you know I love the fucking Christmas. Love the Christmas. Particularly enamored by the Christmas this year because uh, I had underestimated how much it would be meaningful to me to have all my kiddos back under the roof. Because, uh, you know, my oldest is uh, out and about doing his uh, college thing these days. So that's great. Um, second of all, um, be safe. Right? It's, uh, we, it's, it's, <laughs> the COVID is running rampant. Uh, you know, and uh, so I would hope that if you are vaccinated and boosted, you'd be good. If you get it, not, you'd be fine. But either way, it's definitely going a little crazy right now. So be safe. That said, though, uh, 
try and find some way, you know, mask up, do what you got to do. But you, it's worth the risk of getting the vid to go see Spider-Man No Way Home. I know some of you are like, oh, that's ridiculous. It's n- I'm telling y'all, if you haven't seen it yet, and I know Dap uh, is going to see it this week. It's been getting incredible reviews. It's 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 the box office is about five times more than any other COVID movie has done, uh, and, and it's it's totally justified. It is wonderful. It is as cl- it, like to whatever extent superhero movies can be uh, like all things all people. This is this is it. It is heartwarming and funny and action packed and. It writes previous wrongs of the superhero, uh, the Spider-Man movies. It it it's just wonderful, and I'm not going to give any I, details beyond that because Dab hasn't seen it. But I will say, if you are interested in my spoiler reviews, uh, to to Vince's point, uh, on on my birthday video, so December nineteenth video of the Advent calendar on Patreon, um, I I talked to y'all about what a lovely job my family did uh, for my birthday, and then. With ample warning and uh, screenshots giving you time to turn it off, I then go into a spoilery review of uh, of the Spidey movie. So if you're interested in my more specific thoughts, you can go go and check it out there. But definitely go check that out. And then finally, hopefully you all have some time off in the coming week or two to relax, spend time with family. And, uh, you know, maybe if we need a break from our family after they uh, open all their gifts and they're doing what they got to do, you want to read some comics, please if you haven't already heated, uh, I believe Vince and, uh, and Tony Felice talked about this on the episode that I wasn't on a few weeks back. Uh, I'm pretty sure they did, but either way, uh, give uh, world of the dragon Lords a try from Fantagraphics. Am I right? Did you all talk about that while I was away? Vince? Yeah, I did. Okay. You did. Um, you all know Vince is a duck mark. And uh, you should always heed his advice, but I presume some of you may be like, oh, it's always well. He, he loves anything ducks. I got to tell you, <laughs> I wouldn't consider myself a duck mark. Not, not that I don't like the ducks, but I don't I don't read a ton of duck comics. Um, but every now and then I get the inkling, and this seems pretty neat. And so I did order it, and it's freaking wonderful. It's absolutely great. And I, uh, I'm sorry to say I, I didn't listen to Vince's discussion on it. Uh, but I'm sure he did a much better job of selling you on it than I can. I will just say, though, if you did want a second opinion from a non-duck uh, lifer, uh, i definitely say it's worth it. It's freaking a blast. And uh, I didn't realize when I got it, although I guess I should have, that it was a reprint of stuff that came out back in the, the early aughts, um, you know, in Europe. But uh, but either way, I mean, G- G- Giorgio Cavazzano looks great. The art looks great. It was a ton of fun. I read it in one sitting, and uh, yeah, I just I thought it was a, a treasure. So, all grown's up, Dap. <laughs> there you go. It's, Embrace it's the amazing. ducks. It's amazing. Yeah, they they grow up so fast, it. right? I know. Before your very eyes, right? Years. Yeah. I was going to say I'm, I'm only almost fifty, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> baby steps. Yeah. yeah. The uh, I mean, regarding um, No Way Home, it it's. I mean, it. There have been two MCU movies that I didn't see in the theater since the pandemic, and and before I um, purchased the tickets for uh, for Tuesday night because we're going with our our neighbors. Um, the last movie my wife and I saw in the theater was Bad Boys for Life. 
Oh my god! So that and that was right before. Holy that was I think January or February of 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 twenty twenty. Oh. So it was right before everything was locked down. But that was the absolute last time I stepped foot in a the theater. Yeah, I mean, I have been to the theater a lot in the last few months because I love yep. the theater. Yep. And and I and I will admit that that uh, you know, given what's happened in the last week or two, it 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 feels a little riskier than it had been. But I I but it didn't stop me from going to see it. I sure. I'm, the whole family went, you know, we were all masked up. I got to get, I got to give our theater credit. Everybody sitting around us, uh, you know, it's a science these, these days in most theaters. Everybody was masked up, uh, which was cool. Like it was definitely a good vibe in there, but, uh, you know, it, but admittedly it was a packed theater for three hours. So I'm, I'm not suggesting it was the smartest decision in the grand scheme of things, but I, I no regrets, dude. Well, it it's, it's all, and, and it's, it's because of no way home that I'm even, I would even consider yeah. doing this so yeah it's it's fine and, and i mean yes we're all from work for for the week so there there's time i can kind of just recuperate at home if i start feeling some kind of way but i'm not i'm i'm not really worried about it i know amc's got their things done, doing right we're going to palisades in in nyack and, and i know that they're they're doing everything right so i'm 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 feeling okay nice If you don't love it, I'll be baffled. <laughs> like, no, because, like, it, you know, this is one of those movies that's transcending fanboy stuff. Right. But, I mean, given how much you love the character yeah. and the passionate dissection you did of the last Spider-Man movie, I I, I mean. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I, you know, even with all the teasers and. and I can't believe you got Renee She doesn't really like Spider-Man. No, see that's the thing. It, she adores Tom Holland. She 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 thinks well, he is hands down right exactly. Great, so great I mean he's good. and and so and and what's what's crazy? I mean if this isn't true love, our our first date with with a couple of friends. I, this this should have been the hint right there. We went to see. She came with me to see the uh the first the the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man nice okay and she even I mean and she said ahead of time that you know she hates Spider-Man and and she still <laughs> wanted to see that so nice there was once a time when Vince would be joining us and saying it but no longer yeah 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 where do you stand on the Matrix, Vince? Are you going to watch it? It's on HBO Max. That's why I ask. You don't have to go to the theater. Did we lose Vince? I had my, my mute button on. Sorry. Ah. Um, no, I'll I'll see Matrix on the big screen. Yeah. Yeah. Why I'm not? I'm very excited for Matrix. Same. Yeah. Austin saw it. He said he loved it. Good. Yeah, I mean, like... I, you know, I really am kind of hoping that it's the that it's uh, it's that she's making good on not sticking the landing the first time. That's my hope. I, I mean, for all I know, that's not at all what's going on here, but but that would be my hope. Agreed. Yeah, cool. So, if you want more of this stuff, please go to Twitter, Redder, 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 mm. Reddit, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're there all the time, every time. And did you know we're on Spotify? 
You may not. Yes, we are. You may not have known that, yeah. but uh, we're there. We're all over the place. Anywhere you can, you yeah. can download a podcast or subscribe. We're there. So uh, there's there's not only one source for this thing anymore, which yep. is which is a boon and a curse, I think. True. Yes. Uh, and you don't have to, uh, you know, listen however you want to stream, download, whatever, but. We do occasionally get like, a, hey, how can we help you the most? You know how you can help us most? Download the episode and then consider leaving a review. Like we used to really push hard for uh, Apple reviews when Apple was like the lone source. And we had, I mean, we, for a minute, we, we, well, we had over 500 uh, five-star ratings. I mean, we, like back when Apple was just the place to be, we, you all represented. So now that it's more spread out, um, we haven't, you know, it's on us. We haven't really asked for it, but but I guess we're at the point, you know, we're, we're going to ask for it. So, uh, you know, the world's changed. So whatever podcatcher you use, uh, if you have the capability to rate the show and or leave a review, please do. It, it really does help, believe it or not. Like it, it's I know in 2021, you wouldn't think that it should matter, but it really does matter. Uh, so, yeah, you know, to, if you have the time, we would appreciate it. Yes. And if you have left us a review on iTunes, go cut and paste it and put it. I yeah. Mean, it, yeah. There's no even refresh it like even on even on iTunes itself just just take the review if it's you know five years old take the review if you still agree with it and uh, repost it as a new review because that's ah, a good idea yeah 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 cool beans um I forgot totally where I was at oh yeah sorry all those places uh, come back next time because we'll have more of this and uh, do your uh, do the do and say yeah Merry Christmas yeah. Well, I was hoping you'd save that for this part because this is where it really goes. But you led with it. Oh. But that's okay. Right. Yeah, you do you. I'm I'm cool with it. Um, say good night. There you go. Yeah. Cleaning a glass, even though they don't even have wine. Yeah, did I'm you gonna do it. I did it. Yeah, it yeah. was it was there. It was quick. All right. Good night. Mm. Yeah, David. Yeah, yeah, cool. Come back, people. We love you so much. I, I meant no. I, I don't cheat. I didn't scream it, but I didn't whisper it. Uh huh. David. Yeah. Out of here. Tell them you Peace. love them. Peace in here, Greece. Merry Christmas. That's it for that one. <laughs>